0: You have an attachment style. The energy that comes out of your attachment style is one of the primary predictors of the success or ultimate failure of your team or organization. Do you know what yours is?
1: Welcome to the Leading Edge Podcast. Transforming your leadership with attachment science. Together, we want to transform your leadership by sharing principles from attachment science to put you on the leading edge of leadership. Now here are your hosts Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reina.
2: Yes, yeah, good to be back with you. So today is identifying the leader's attachment style, understanding your energy and motivation. Overall, this podcast, um, in general is about helping you in your adaptability and helping you as a leader to be able to study your process, because we know there are many great leaders out there that want to get better. And that's who we're, that's what we're trying to do. Um, in this episode specifically, what we're going to be looking at is leadership, uh, from looking at the mo- with attachments, looking at the motivational force of attachment and what that is. And we want to help you tap, uh, tap into that. And attachment is in general, it's about how you respond to distress. And the adaptive patterns uh, of how you respond really shows your attachment style or it is your attachment style. And what is attachment style? Well, attachment style is an energy that is both internal and external of how you respond to like really within yourself, but also to your team and to your organization. So I think like so that's a lot of information talking about attachment and distress and how you respond and your different energy and how you respond to your organization and team. So let me tell a quick story that I think might help make flesh this out a little bit more and make it clear. So I, I really like the movie, The Band of Brothers. And if you haven't seen it, don't worry, I'll tell this in a way that makes sense for you.
0: It's, there, it's a series, right? Series. There series, you go. Right.
2: Series. There you go. Um, on Amazon Prime or wherever you watch movies. Um, but there are three characters that are three leaders and they all really modify, uh, to me, exemplify what we're talking about. There's Captain Sobel. There's uh, Major Winners. He goes on to become Major. But then there's Lieutenant Dyke. Sobel really has this pursuer energy and don't worry. We're going to tell you what that means in a moment. He can be, he rides people really hard and he wants to get the best. He definitely goes into what we've been talking about this structure side, push, 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 push. A lot of energy comes from him. And, but then we see how his energy really has an effect on the organization and the people he leads. Not that it's all bad. He gets some, but he's not as effective as he could be as a leader. Then we have Lieutenant Dyke in this movie he really doesn't he he's there he wants to be there he wants to climb the ladder but he's not really involved with his team he's more of that withdrawer energy he pulls away and we really see how that puts some distress on his team thankfully the airborne division that he was leading was a group of highly motivated people and they worked without him but it wasn't their best but then we have uh major winners who really has what we want to look at in this process is he's very adaptable he's flexible And he knows how to adjust in the moment with structure and attunement, but even just adjusting his own energy to be what is needed for a mission accomplishment at that time. So the same thing for you as a leader, we want you to be able to see your energy and how it impacts internally you, how it impacts your organization and team. Um, And then also we're going to talk about in another podcast about how do you lead these different energy styles, right? So Ryan, kind of help. Get us going here on these different energies and styles of uh, leadership. Yeah,
0: congruent to what you just said. The theme of the podcast, I think, so far is is first of all understanding the importance of attachment when it comes to motivation and energy. Second, we're all we're always asking you to be adaptive, and third, we're asking you to study your process. And that this is consistent with that today. So, when it comes to attachment styles, my experience of working with a lot, a lot, of, a lot of leaders is most people don't know what their style is. Some people have never even heard of this, so they don't, they wouldn't know. And some people have heard of it, but maybe haven't thought through what theirs is. And the reason that's dangerous is this. I used to have an old professor who, um, I'm a psychotherapist by trade and, uh, he would, he would, he's, he was brilliant first of all. And so he would watch a session with his family or whatever it is and we would say, he would say what'd you see and we would come back we were all interns which you know you're a lot you're a lot smarter when you're an intern cuz you don't even know what you don't know but but i'd say well i saw this i saw this and one thing you'd notice is we all saw different things which is a little scary and he would he was the most humble one in the room by the way and that's a theme of this is humility today is he would say well what i think i saw might have been and he would say it over and over and over just that way to the point that it was annoying <laughs> But he was trying to make a point, one that I'm appreciative of now, which is what you think you see is not accurate. What you think you see says is more about you than it does about what's actually going on. And that's the problem with not knowing your attachment style is you start to believe everything you think you see as opposed to the humility and the flexibility, the adaptability, to be open to change, to be open to seeing something different. To me, it's a leadership truth that there has to be this healthy balance on one side of trusting your gut, trusting your instincts. If something feels funny, probably is. But you got to balance that with this culture of, in a healthy way, questioning what you think you see. Because in that healthy, adaptive tension, you will find your best footing. So specifically here, um, what you think you see in your organization, which is everything from like, which of your team or your, or your employee do you like the most? So before you say something like, I like them all the same. No, you don't. (laughs) You may love them all the same, but you don't like them all the same. Which of your, which of your team or family member or organization do you trust the most? Which do you want to put more responsibility with? This says as much or more about you than it does about them. That same old professor used to say, what what Jack thinks about Jill says more about Jack than Jill. And few things influence what we think we see more than our own attachment style. This is not a problem. This is just reality. It's only a problem is if you don't recognize this. And then we start to become rigid in what we think we see. We lose adaptability. Then we, we lose the potential to create safety in our organization. Next thing you know, we, we, our, our organization or team runs from a lack of safety. We all become rigid. We lose our adaptive strength, flexibility, and ultimately productivity. So let's review. Attachment style is the collection of patterns that you have adaptively adopted your whole life regarding how you respond to threat. And this is everything from how you were raised in your family of origin, what you learned, who you were trained by, it's all the things. If you want to get technical and we don't, there's probably four to six kinds of attachment style. You could talk about the disorganized attachment style, ambivalent attachment style. Disorganized often goes, we'll just take a side point on this with people with a trauma history so that it doesn't sound too psychotherapeutic. This is relevant. You ever seen a CEO who's incredibly talented, but they're just constantly, their, their staff is like, we don't know what we're going to get today. Sometimes they're on fire. Sometimes they're gone. They're unpredictable. That's, that would be typical of a disorganized attachment style. One minute, I'm your best friend. The next minute, I treat you like an enemy. And so you see that, because there's a lot of leadership people with an, with a lot of trauma, because sometimes when life is hard, you develop these great strengths as a way to survive, which really works well some of the time. So you see a lot of CEO types, maybe you're one of them with a lot of trauma history. If that's the case, man, this podcast is for you, because you're gonna find yourself being a complete mix When we talk about attachment styles through this, but we want to keep this simple. We want to talk about two attachment styles that exist on a continuum. These are not inborn. These are not fixed traits. These are a dynamic pattern that again, exist on a continuum. And the words that we just use them as the anxious attachment style, which goes with the word pursuer and the avoidant attachment style, which goes with the word withdrawer. Again, they exist on a continuum. On one end of the continuum is a fairly secure pursuer. You know, it it works pretty well. The energy that comes in is a moving energy, and it's all good. On the other extreme, a pursuer-styled leader can cause a lot of problems. Same with the withdrawer. Exists on a continuum. All of us are a mix of the two. So I'll just save you the emails you're going to send us. Cause we get this every time we talk about this, like, well, I think I'm a mix. I'm like, we're all a mix. Again, this exists on a continuum. And at the, same, at the same time, it's really important to notice this and study this. So we're not trying to nail someone down, but to see these as adaptive patterns. So as, <clears throat> as James said, attachment is about how you respond to distress. It is a threat mitigation system. So this anxious attachment style, or what we're going to call pursuers, these are people who, without choosing, their body has a has a um, set pattern of response of seeing a threat or perceiving a threat. It can even be an imagined threat, by the way, sometimes is. Mm. And the body creates a bunch of energy, and this energy says activate, 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 turn the volume up or else. Mm-hmm. It's often very tied to missing out on something, losing connection. Uh, it's a very anxious sort of a fearful expression. That's our pursuer. And
2: I like what you said there because it's what they see. Going back to what your professor said, they're responding to what they see and how their body is then responding and or telling what, them about what they see. Or what they think they see. What, they, what Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah okay. real or imagined. The withdrawal is kind of the complement to that. Same Same process. Threats are seen or perceived, real or imagined, and their body says, move away from this conflict, unwire the bomb first, let the storm pass over, don't engage this or it's going to make it worse, and then we'll come back. After I've thought everything through, make sure I don't make anything worse, then we'll fix it. Mm -hmm. Both of the cause and the goals are the same. It's the space in between where the energy is so, so different. So I can tell you this, if I'm going to be a part of an organization, I would sure love my leader to know what style they have Mm -hmm. because pursuer style leaders can be great. Withdrawer style leaders can be great, but both of them come with specific strengths and I don't want to say weaknesses, but the areas they have to be careful with Mm -hmm. so that these styles don't take the direction of the team the wrong way.
2: Now, I know we're about to go into the benefits of both and like the things we have to be careful of, but I just want to catch a point that you made earlier about, um, that we are, that we are all a mix of both. And I want to catch you for this as a leader, because sometimes with these leadership assessments and personality profiles or whatever, it gets to which one is the good one and what's bad. But what you're really saying here on this one is, is the cues. we want you to know, so that way you can be able to not get caught in rigidity of being stuck depending on kind of like one, maybe one to three moves to get you out of a space. Also, it's not just to to keep you from doing bad. We also wanted you to know this so you can get the most good from your energy. I really just think that that's a good view I want leaders to take. And also if you're supervising other leaders, it's not just about to find the things that could be problems, but you also wanna help get the most good out of the energy that they bring to the team.
0: And we'll talk next week about recognizing what energy you're leading. Yep. But today we're going to talk about our own energy. Okay. So let's jump in with a pursuer style leader. They're the ones that when there's distress real or imagined, their body says, activate, activate, activate. As a rule, a pursuer style leader, when there's a threat, they want to go to it. I, I want to say this. I don't think anyone really likes conflict. I I don't think anyone really likes risk. I've seen some people who say that, but as you really unpack that, and we're in a unique position in that we stay with leaders in deep places, not just, not just hear their speeches. You start to realize even these people who are really good at conflict, like a, a leader who has trained as a lawyer. They've trained their to be able to do it. They even found pieces to enjoy it because they can think of it differently than I do. That's what lawyers, I think, do. Lawyer uh, being in law school trains you to really see conflict as this sequential Rubik's cube where it doesn't take it so personal. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing that, it's actually not attachment because mm-hmm. your body's not seeing that as a threat. So, But you see lawyers, I've seen them also get very personal and they have the same responses the rest of us do. So, so what I'm, I don't mean that a pursuer likes conflict. A pursuer-styled leader, though, would rather go towards the, go towards the storm and, and face the pain of conflict or some kind of problem than they would to just sit idly by with the other threats of, of loss, of exposure, of abandonment in some situations. So in other words, they would rather choose the pain of the war than the pain of just sitting and watching the war come to them. Mm. It's a way to get control. Mm-hmm. And people say, oh, that's, that's controlling. I just giggle at that. Oh, that person's controlling. All people are controlling. That's crazy. There's no human on the planet that, that enjoys being out of control. We just have different ways of going about how we get in control. And the pursuer way is an activating way. There's good parts of a pursuer-style leader. If you ever see an organization that grows fast, take it to the bank. They have a pursuer-style leader. Pursuers tend to push. Pursuers are known to have followers who grow a lot. Mm-hmm. Pursuer-style leaders are great at that, if we talk about in previous episodes, that push in the structure side, that challenge. Mm-hmm. The pursuers tend to be great at seeing the potential in their followers and motivating and encouraging them to do better. Mm -hmm. Those are the primary strengths I see as a leader. What would you add to that, James?
2: Yeah, I just want to make sure I ask a question to orient here. So I'm taking a risk on live. So what we're not saying here is I liked how you're saying pursuer style. You're being very intentional with that word. Mm -hmm. And what we're still talking about with attachment is is in moments of distress or just, yeah, distress. Because leaders, that's what we pay them for a lot. They're pushing, their they're they're dealing with distress, not just like conflict, but even like that. Pursuer leader trying to grow an organization, they there's some tension there, and they're trying to.
0: Let me just comment on that because I think, in the in the context of leadership, when we mean distress, we could also mean change and growth. There we go. Thank. Because change and growth is also distress. There you go. Exactly.
2: So yeah. So what I'm saying here is, so I went to an organization and did a consultation, and what they were getting stuck on, they were wanting to treat this like pursuers who are like, I'm, I'm a pursuer as a biker, and that makes me do this, or I'm a pursuer as this. But what we're talking about is in is the energy that comes out of you during times of distress. Correct. It's not how you always live. Correct. So this yes. could look different when you go home, or what you're doing it in, in church or whatever.
0: Yeah, and you can learn to maybe manage this energy differently, but mm-hmm. you don't get to choose. There we go. Okay. And it's not about how you want to be. Mm-hmm. Your body either sends this energy to you or it doesn't mm-hmm. or, or, or makes, makes available to you these kind of strategies or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And again, we're all a mix. If you study me, for instance, I'm a mix. Mm-hmm. You know, if you ask people who have been around me a long time, they'll see elements of pursuer style and withdrawer style. But if you, if you total them all up, the sum is going to be probably a little more of a pursuer style than a withdrawer style. You can even listen to our podcast and count the number of words, (laughs) James, you're probably a little more of a withdrawer (laughs) style. And so, you know, we're, we're recording this right now in the middle of COVID-19. So, you know, I don't know, we may listen to this in 10 years and look back on this as a crazy memory, but one of the things that you've noticed about me, just as an example is when, when this hits and there's a lot of threats around. I lean towards it. I'd rather get out in front of it. I'd rather activate. I'd rather be two weeks ahead of the threat than to wait and be behind it. That's an example of a pursuer style leadership. And again, is that good or bad? It just is. Mm-hmm. It's really. It's not necessarily good or bad. It's just like, well, how well, how well can I can I send a safe energy mm-hmm. from from my pursuer style, or am I sending panicked energy? Mm-hmm.
2: And I don't know if this is a place, but just from someone who's on the receiving end of your leadership, Ryan. So here's where we're getting vulnerable, but it's been good. Like you said, you are a mix. There's this place I've watched you during this COVID you've leaned in, but I also see the place where when people keep buzzing the tower like you like to say, when people keep kind of coming to you with things, you have a place where on that time you can just wait. And you, one of your leadership moves is, let me wait to see if this is something I need to respond to right now, or if, it can, if, it, if time will take care of it. And you have this balance between the two. And so that's why now me as someone who is a leader in your organization, but also a follower who, who you lead, is good to know your process. It helps me know and feel safe in those both places. But we'll get to that one in another podcast.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's in the summary today, but I'll just go ahead and say it. I mean, a reactive pursuer and a reactive withdrawer are always going to create insecurity everywhere else in the organization. So it's, it's about being intentional. It's about some self-awareness. And uh, it's about really moving your style towards a secure version of it is kind of the bottom line here. Of course you can't do that if you don't even know what we're talking about and you're not studying your own process. Then you become convinced that what you think you see is accurate when in fact what you think you see says as much about you as it does about reality. Yep,
2: and so circle what Ryan just said right there. The key is not whether is it pursue good or bad, is withdrawal good or bad, it's the reactivity. I'm no longer being adaptable. I'm not really leading, I'm just being driven and I'm just kind of reacting. It's not really a guided, I'm not studying my process anymore. My process is gone. I'm just in reactivity. I don't feel safe. And so it's when I become reactive in either one of these energies and styles. And the outproduct of that is that it creates insecurity in the organization.
0: And an insecure organization will lose massive amounts of potential. And if I had to choose which leader I want to work with, I don't care. I just want a secure version of it, Exactly, a secure pursuer leader, a secure withdrawer leader will look almost the same.
2: Wait, can on, catch that. So that's the part we're trying to even help leaders with today is we know we don't want to be in reactivity, but we don't want you just guarding against what you don't want to be. We also want to give you a target of what you're moving towards. So it's the security in the energy style that I have.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And so going back to pursuer leadership style, we've talked about the strengths. Do you want to add anything to those strengths? Oh,
2: so we did the strengths. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think there is something to pursuers. I love that that pursuer that can, um, lean in, lean into that thing. So I think what also what that pursuer is, what that push that that leader gives is hope for change in the organization. I've been in organizations, I've been in organizations before where you feel like there's not hope for change and it make me struggle as a follower. It's like, I see the times changing and I'm not sure that the captain in the seat is going to be ready to help lead that change. Cause it's like, we'd rather like kind of put our head in the sand and that doesn't feel safe for me because my family's also depending on this.
0: <laughs> all right. A lot of stuff's relying on the leadership. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't, you know, theory, the theory of evolution is controversial, mm-hmm. you know, morally, religiously, you know, educationally, all that stuff. I, we probably won't solve that today completely on this podcast. Um, what's not, what's not controversial is evolution that things must evolve. Cause you know, what happens to a species if they don't evolve, they go extinct. So a pursuer leader, especially a more secure one is great about pushing adaptation. Mm-hmm. We've got to evolve. We've got to be flexible. We've got to change. We've got to grow because an organization that gets stagnant will die. Mm-hmm. So that's one great thing about a pursuer organization. Mm-hmm. They're probably not just going to sit there. Mm-hmm. And, and be the same in a bad way, 10 years from what they are now. Mm -hmm. So that's one great thing. Let's move across though. Okay. What are the challenges? What does a pursuer styled leader have to be careful with? So one thing is like, we've kind of, I'm kind of circling back right now, but they've got to notice. They've got to notice when that energy comes forward and that takes humility. That takes a measure of self-awareness to not always believe what your eyes are telling you, but then to balance that with some trusting of your gut. And they may have to adapt either the structure and, or the attunement in the organization around their style. You know, if you're building a leadership team, if you if your team is, is similar to mine, maybe you have 50 to 60 people, you know, then, you know, some research would say you need to have five to eight of eight people on a leadership team. You know, if you, if you recognize, I know I'm kind of a pursuer styled energy leader. Maybe you need to build structure to put some withdrawer style leaders there or vice versa. You can hire around it. You can adjust it. You can study your process. These are things you gotta, you gotta be doing so that you're careful because here's some weaknesses that pursuers pursuer style leaders can get caught into. It's the good old phrase. No one wants to hear micromanagement, (laughs) they can come across as controlling. They can come across as I want everything done exactly my way. And and then, you know, if you really want to get to critical of pursuer style leaders, you know, it's like they they can kind of resent carrying so much of the load, but then they also can't release it. That anxious energy says I have to have it done a certain way. I I might resent being the one that stays up here until 9 PM when everyone else goes home at four. So sometimes pursuer style leaders don't delegate well and they try to delegate and they don't like how it comes out. So they take back control. So an insecure pursuer style leader will also often get stuck in this idea of micromanagement, control, inability to delegate well. Um, They can come across as hypercritical. You can take the, or you can take the safety out of your organization when you're constantly criticizing. We've talked about the healthy balance. Is for every coach or criticism, um, you can you can do. We need, or I'm sorry, people need five points of attunement for every coach or criticism. A pursuer style leader may have trouble with that ratio, because they're so driven to move things, they often struggle to come back and take either take care of people or just make adjustments in the intensity, so the organization can move forward. The pursuer style leaders can over push. Pursuer styled leaders can be very reactive. They can be more likely to take things personal. They can be more likely to feel like someone doesn't like me. And I know it sounds silly talking about leadership, but it's absolutely reality. If you, if you talk to a leader and say, which, wh- which one of your, in your organization, do you trust the most? What you're going to find is oftentimes it's the one that they feel liked by. Loyalty becomes huge to this pursuer style leader, almost too, too much. Loyalty becomes the thing they want. You know, when people say that, is it really about an organizational need or does that become a personal need? Does that speak to the fear that someone has? In extreme situations, they can become paranoid. These are the things a pursuer-style leader has to watch out for so that they don't take safety out of their organization. Yeah, and I think one part of that
2: is that also they can be so attracted to the problems and what can be seen as negative issues. That they, don't, that they don't acknowledge the positive, which you're kind of catching that with the ratio. So it's good that you have that eye for the problems, but it's also like a special skill to be able to catch when good things are happening and to celebrate those things.
0: For sure. For sure. Well said. Well said. So now let's switch over to the other side. How about the um, withdraw style leader? What are their strengths? What do they bring to the table? And then what things do they have to be careful with? Lots of strengths for the withdrawal style style leadership. They tend to be hard workers. They tend to be performers. A content leader tends to be a withdrawal leader. Is that good or bad? It's it could be either one. Depends on how secure, depends on how the energy is conveyed. But if you're leading an IT company and you invented the software and you know it like the back of your hand, and you're just a stud IT person, let me know what that means. Um, there's a pretty good chance your style is going to be more of a withdrawer style. And what ma- what's important about that is that you recognize and see that coming. So withdrawer style leaders, they tend to be not micromanagers. They tend to come across as a lot of trust. They tend to um, empower other people. They tend to focus more on the positive, right? There's even research that says the Withdrawer attachment style or the avoidant attachment style, their body naturally orients towards positive emotion, whereas the anxious attachment style or the pursuer orients towards negative emotion, right? So the withdrawers is more likely to be positive. Um, Withdrawers tend to be forgiving. Withdrawers would tend to not want the conflict as much, which is a good thing. I mean, most people that work for a withdrawer-styled leader don't fear for their job all the time. They're they're not coming in scared. What else would you add to that, James?
2: Um, when I was thinking about it's definitely they, they can, when things in the organization feel like it's getting out of control, they can help turn down emotion a little bit, right? And kind of bring things back into, hopefully trying, trying to create some homeostasis in a way, mm-hmm. in a way like if it goes up, they can they trying to bring it back to a baseline. But I think also damage control, mm-hmm. Like it's because with jars and I'm I'm kind of, that's my energy mm-hmm. style. You see me, He's defending he, himself right I'm now. I'm smiling here. Uh-huh. Uh, it's damage control. Like when things kind of get broken up and some things have gone wrong, it's like, hey, I can help you clean this thing up. Let me help you clean it up.
0: Yeah, if you have to go to a high-powered, conflictual negotiation, man, it's ideal to have each of these styles on your team because the pursuer tends to bring that energy mm-hmm. and is going to elevate to the task and is is willing to go do it. The negative, though, with that pursuer is they, be, they may be more reactive. Mm-hmm. They may be more likely to take it personal, whereas the, whereas the withdrawer is going to be a little more level in that moment, mm-hmm. right? It's going to be a little more low-key, a little less reactive, a little more likely, if you can give them space and safety, to, to be responsive instead of reactive during conflict.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And they definitely want to also sharpen focus. So there might be things that the pursuer, because a pursuer in the times can be very thematic in some of the things that they're addressing or or maybe criticizing or looking at. Whether with jar, well, the withdrawer will want to come in like, wait, hold on a second. Here's this point, this nice. point, and this point that you've missed. Nice. Like don't miss those, those those things.
0: That's really important. Very big. Pursu- yeah. Pursuers tend to think more in themes. Uh, withdrawers tend to be more detail-oriented leaders. That's mm-hmm. a really good point. And you need both. Exactly right. Yeah. 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 I mean, both these are opposite halves of the same coin and are really, really key. And what
2: I've seen in organizations that have that sense of security, particularly like when you think about a leader who maybe has several leaders under them or people under them, they almost welcome both of these energies and they learn how to balance them and welcome both in. And it takes a it takes a secure leader to lead both of these energies in the same room. Because even as you're talking about studying your process, what you said a moment ago, Ryan, is your energy will typically want to be attracted to the energy that's like you <laughs> at times. I don't know. You tell me if you think you see that different. I think that's right. Because it's like, man, thank you for not, for me being a withdrawer with that kind of that energy. It's like, thank you for not blowing things out of control. Mm-hmm. But now I've learned like, no, there's times I might miss something. So like, I like definitely Ryan's one of my guys. I'm like, let me run something past you, Ryan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I want to make sure I'm not taking this too lightly.
0: Mm-hmm. What you're, I love what you're saying is, you're, you're having a healthy balance there of not trusting your eyes too much. That's right. You might go to your colleague who's more of a pursuer style and go, hey, are you seeing this? And, and this happened today, actually, one of our conversations, probably where you're bringing this up. You brought this situation up and I'm like, that's a 10. That, no, we cannot do that. And I noticed your face. You're like, oh, oh, okay. Maybe it is. Right. Because your body's energy may say, hey, don't overreact, which is a wonderful thing.
2: Well, here's the thing about studying your process. Like I've been in withdrawal place for so long, my body, I felt the energy, but remember what the withdrawal wants to do is turn it down. Right. So I felt the energy and I'm like, did I, is this real to me or is this something I should have turned down or, and you just, when you respond and I felt your energy, like, Nope, I was on the mark.
0: Yeah. Nice. And, and you also made a clarification that we may be being a little sloppy with our language, okay. it's actually the same energy. Yeah. From the pursuer style and the, and the withdrawer style. It's just the body suggests different strategies. That's right. And all of this happens outside of our awareness, by the way, which is what makes this powerful and potentially dangerous, but also potentially incredibly valuable. If you can harness its power.
2: Let me say that statement again. It's the same energy. Our body just moves us towards different strategies. That's a good, clean statement.
0: Yeah. It's the same source, the same energy, and it's even the same destination. We all want to win. We all want connection. We all want team. Just the pathways across this divide can be very different. So let's move over to the withdrawer challenges, the things to be careful with. And I want to repeat this list. I got to notice it. There's got to be some humility there to even notice these things. Here's some challenges. Withdrawers are so great about not being reactive into conflict. But guess what? Some things can't wait. I've seen with drawer style leaders who something's bleeding out in their organization and they go into paralysis and they just sit there and just study it and study it and study it. I tell stories on my, on my father-in-law every once in a while, he's a master plumber and a master electrician. He's, he's very skilled, a super smart guy, used to work for IBM. He has all the skills I don't have. (laughs) My wife (laughs) married the opposite of her father. I, I don't even know how a toilet works. I'm, I just want it to, but I mean, he he and I'll be on a task somewhere on the holiday, looking at something that's broken and I'm like, okay, I got 20 minutes, if I, if I can't fix it, I'm going to Lowe's and buying a new part. He'll sit there and study that thing for an hour without even touching anything. And I'm like, I do not have your skill and guess which leadership style he is. He's got that withdraw leadership style. So not every problem can wait. It's great resources when studying it long enough helps you be accurate. But if the if the toilet is spilling all over the floor, you need a pursuer style. We got to stop the bleeding sometimes. Sometimes you can't get it perfect. You just got to go. So sometimes withdrawers can just be to avoid it. They can open theirself up to be cheated. How many times have I heard someone say, yeah, so my business partner stole hundred billion from our account, you know, or a hundred thousand or 10,000. I've heard it a lot, actually. That can happen on either style, but a withdrawal style leader is much more likely to have that happen. They're less likely to check. They can be trusting to a fault. So they can over trust in a way that doesn't develop their team. They can become so absorbed in their own process that they don't create enough healthy tension in the organization for others to grow. They can be so good, at their content, that they just sort of assume others will get it. I grew up being a fan of Ozzy Smith, a, a Hall of Fame shortstop. And so he was an incredible defensive player in baseball. And they tried to bring him on as a coach. And so the St. Louis Cardinals, they brought him to spring training. And and so he, he would demonstrate this incredible movement with his hands to field any ground ball. And then they're like, okay, okay teach us to do that. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He's like, you just do it. Here, just like this. He would just show them over and over and they, they quickly realized great player, not a great coach. That's very much a withdrawer attachment style energy. I can do this, but I can't always tell you how to do it. There's sometimes a disconnect between my ability to perform and my ability to put it to words. Withdrawer styled leaders, let's go back to a positive. They're less likely to have a hundred meetings a week and these four hour lectures, which I think is a good thing. You can definitely over, you know, death by meeting. And yet there is a time and a place where you've got to articulate what's going on. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to articulate the vision of the organization. Last thing for me, a a common um, thing to be careful with for a withdrawal style leader or withdrawing style leader is your team can feel abandoned by you. You cannot pay enough attention to your, team's experience. You can often get so structure oriented that you don't check on attunement. And so these are, these are downfalls to be paying attention to. We're hoping we're running these by you not to like lock anyone into a square hole or, or to say this is an exhaustive list, but hoping that we might just stimulate some inner dialogue with you for yourself as a leader and maybe for your leadership team. Mm -hmm. What would you add to that list? yeah definitely
2: i think and that's so this is getting where i'm talking like personally for me but you definitely said that even while it's there is the positive and i want to be attracted to it what i've learned now is i want to pay attention to i want someone to help appreciate the negative so one of that we've mentioned this book or i've mentioned it the culture code and he studied like a navy seal which i know ryan loves navy seals Mm -hmm. um and what would this make this one navy seal such a great leader is he learned really quickly, like he invites criticism into his process. Mm-hmm. So he'll come up with a battle plan and he'll say, All right, now poke holes in it. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to embrace that now as withdrawal. Like, I wanna see the good and go celebrate it, but it's like, Hold on a second. Before I fully celebrate, tell me if there's something I'm missing. Then it's like, Okay, now let's rejoice, right? Let's be happy, that kind of thing. Um, also, I, in- that would
0: be, that would be you can get me telling Navy SEAL story all day. That would be a really secure, Exactly. Way, to, way to manifest that. And that's, exactly. that's unique in the, in the U S military. Usually it's like the head shed, as they say, makes the, makes the decisions and the soldiers carry it out, mm-hmm. which works really well for mass situations. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work well for sophisticated missions. Mm-hmm. Most Navy SEAL teams will not go forward until they all agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the second Lieutenant or captain as, or chief, as it may be, whoever's leading that team, um, He'll come in with a battle plan and say, pick it apart Mm -hmm. and they'll stay with it until they get full buy-in part of the reason that works is they have the highest, some of the highest level trained people in the world who are obviously very committed, Mm -hmm. but it's a great illustration of a secure description of that. It doesn't fit every situation, but in situations like that, that is a great strategy. Yeah. And
2: one that the lesson that's really stuck with me of consulting with a couple like faith-based nonprofit organizations is for that that the kind of like talking about like the not so the thought we got to watch out for is withdraw a with energy type leader is you have to be very careful of like losing the energy and safety of your organization so i've definitely seen these with, when they get uh, triggered it's almost like they still face because they go into their head the withdrawal energies takes them into their head to figure out the logical or rationale part because it feels like I'm seeing all this emotion. Everybody's so reactive. And then what come, they come back with sometimes is all the rational reasons of why what you just said to me is illogical. Right. And then I've watched the people in the organization just sink in the chair. Yep. And it's like, you missed it again. Missed a Yeah, exactly. I missed it too. So lost, anyway. You lost your tune. Which you mean, could do that from yeah. both. But I definitely just me time, taking it, it's like, whoa. So that's what it's like to be on the receiving end of me sometimes.
0: I got to be careful of that. Nice. So. And I appreciate the humility to do that, which is what we're calling you to today. And, and that withdraw, that withdraw leadership style is more likely to say, I'm not going to play until I have this all figured out. The problem is it doesn't work like that all the time. Sometimes you've got to participate in a conversation to let it develop. So, so I want to, I want to go three directions real fast as we wrap up. Is that all right? Yep. Number one, homework and the challenge. Oftentimes, so first of all, people are like, what about, because there's an assessment I can take to develop? There's a thousand assessments, but I don't think you should take it. I think you should listen and and participate in in the conversations and then get feedback from other people around you. Just like this personality style stuff, the MMPI, the DISC-4, the um, Enneagram, all these popular things, which are fine. To me, sometimes they're trying to describe attachment variables without attachment language, which to me is a mistake, but whatever, you know, but if you really want to have an accurate disc profile or MMPI or your attachment style, the best person to do it is not you, you know, go get your colleague, somebody that works below you, works above you, you know, maybe your parents have them feel it out as if they're you and you'll get a lot more accurate. So the homework is I want to challenge each of you to go interview two people and say, Hey, here's these two styles, which do you think I am? What's it like, here's a great question for the leader, what is it like to be on the receiving end of me? So the example that we use, we may have used this before, is it's like playing tennis. And, and there's a shot that's really in the corner and you sprint all the way to get it. You barely make contact and then you're so busy getting back to the middle of the court to take the next shot. We often don't know what it's like to be on the receiving end of our shot who goes across the net. So go interview someone and find out. Be open to, le- to learning Uh, Next takeaway is the theme here I hope you're hearing is that the more secure the pursuer style is or the withdrawer style is, the better. And so we would just want to encourage you to move towards connected security, which could look like entering your grief story. You may need to go to therapy. What a great thing if you're led by someone who's that humble, who's willing to go work in their own story. Maybe it is Things like taking your sobriety seriously and attending AA. Maybe it is investing more in your spiritual health. The more connected you are with yourself, other people, your community, the more you, as they say in AA, don't orphan your story. The more you're connected in your own story, the more likelihood your style, your energy is going to come across as beneficial and not harmful. Last piece for me, based roughly on some feedback we've gotten from this. Have you have you, led, have you read or been a part of the leadership dialogue in books? I, I would suspect everyone who's listened to this probably has. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening. And um, I think it's all good. You know, if you study a concept like marriage, I read books on marriage, and I'm like, no, you should burn that book. <laughs> Leadership, most books are good. My my critique on them, and I'm going somewhere with with this, is that it almost comes across as random. Because when you get a piece of leadership advice, it's usually good advice. The problem is step back and go, hey, was that attunement advice? Or was that structure advice? And and the problem with the good advice is you don't recognize that that one piece of advice has strings which ties to the other side. Mm. So if I go do a repair with an employee, is that good or bad? Well, it's good. If I have the right structure in place, if I have the wrong structure in place, I may be doing great relationally, but what I've done is just confuse things. So every move you make in leadership, you must realize it's attached to the other side. Every leadership move is a systemic move that affects every other area. Leadership is like a baby mobile. You pull down one piece, all the others move. And so this adaptability is something that we've hopefully emphasized Heavily here. And just the last piece I want to say about that is part of adaptability is recognizing your attachment style mm-hmm. and the attachment style of those you lead. Mm-hmm. So, a piece of advice which may be perfect for me as a leader mm-hmm. may be terrible advice for you. That's right. So, it depends what your leadership philosophy and approach, your strategy should depend on your style. Mm-hmm. Because maybe I have a pursuer style. And someone saying, hey, be more detail oriented is a perfectly terrible advice for me when that may be the perfect advice for you or Mm -hmm. vice versa. Yeah, yeah. And so paying attention to these variables is another way to become more adaptive in your leadership, to let attachment science be intentional with your energy, access your motivation and the motivation of your followers. That's right. And
2: so just as we get ready to close here, I want to remind you as we do this podcast with you. You really need to go to, uh, even understand and really be able to install this episode, you really need to go back and intake the first five episodes of this podcast. Because we go over once again, what is attachment and the motivational force of attachment. We talk about structure and attunement, and then we talk about adaptability. So you really need to have those five basic episodes installed to really get anything going forward in this podcast. If you're going to refer this podcast to other people, I would also encourage you to tell them, like if you were gonna give it to your leadership team, have them listen to the first five episodes because everything is really kind of epigenetic uh, way we use in psychology and counseling. It's, it's gonna build upon the principles that came before it. So I just wanted to help you with that so you can really get the most out of this podcast uh, as well. So thank you all so much.
1: Thank you for listening. We hope the principles discussed on this podcast help transform your life in leadership. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com and follow our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan Reyna on Facebook at Ryan Reyna Professional Training and on his website, ryanraynatraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com.